Well, can we just put our hands together for everybody who's watching our V1 Global family that's in the chat right now, Lou Reed and so many of you, Joe, Anthony, you guys are amazing. We love you so much. And uh, how many note takers do we have here in the room and here watching online? How many note takers do we have? Okay, I would encourage you to take notes during this sermon. As a matter of fact, there are many beneficial sermons, but then there are essential sermons. And there's a difference between beneficial and essential, right? Like, it's beneficial to eat certain foods, but then there's times where you're in a wilderness experience where you're like, no, if I don't eat, I'll die. If I don't drink water in three days, I'll die. There's essential. Somebody say essential. If there was an essential for your life as a believer, if there was something that I could tell you, and if I could only preach one message to you, and it's the last sermon that I ever preach in my life, this is actually the message I would choose. Do I have your attention now? The question I want to ask all of you is a very simple question, very difficult for most Christians to answer, and the question is this, what is the spiritual realm? V1 pastors, what is the spiritual realm? Dream team members, what is the spiritual realm? How do you access the spiritual realm? And how do you live a supernatural life as a believer? Probably many of you right now are struggling with how to answer that question, and probably very few of you would be able to give me scripture to prove your answer. So here's the thing. Why is it important to learn what the spiritual realm is? Well, because many people claim to have a monopoly on what the spiritual realm is, but they're accessing it in the belief that they're serving themselves, but in fact, there's only two sides, God and his angelic armies and Satan and his minions we call demons. And so when you access the spiritual realm, there is no neutral territory on that battleground. You are always choosing a side. Okay, you're still not convinced that you need to learn about the spiritual realm. Well, if your teenager has a subscription to Vogue, Teen Vogue magazine, this month, the leading article was how to use your menstruation blood for three rituals that you can do over your life. Do you have your attention yet? Because if your teenager reads Teen Vogue, the highest likelihood of them reading any article was the one that they led with, and it was the one that taught you how to do rituals with your menstruation. You would think as if we continue to become more scientifically minded that the belief in the spiritual realm diminishes, but in fact, it's the opposite. More people are willing to accept that the spiritual realm is real than ever before. If your child has TikTok, there's a high likelihood that they've encountered a hashtag that's viral almost every week, and it's witch talk. Because witchcraft has taken on a new face, and it's recruiting our Gen Z faster than the local church. Because at most local churches, you'll never experience anything that happened in the Bible, although you'll learn about everything that happened. But at V1 Church, the Bible is not the story of what happened. It's the story of what always happens. And at V1 Church, we will see, not because we seek signs, but because signs, miracles, and wonders accompany those who are bringing others into the faith. And so it's very important that you understand what the spiritual realm is, how to activate and operate in the spiritual realm, because there's mass deception happening like never before.
Now, I'm not into giving my own opinion because my opinion can't get me out of this parking lot. But I'm here to give you the word of God. And I'm gonna tell you what the Bible clearly says about this spiritual realm. Are you ready? So take notes. If you have a Bible, go ahead and take it out. I'm going to ask you to do something that happens in very few churches across this country nowadays. We are going to read the Bible and study it together. And if your friend asks you, when's the V1 Bible study? Say, it was Sunday. Where were you, homie? Every Sunday. So take out your Bibles if you have one. If you don't have one, and the V1 Church mobile app, you can open it up, and all of my notes in their entirety are already there, and you can add to them what the Holy Spirit tells you while I'm talking to you. You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready online? You hear them? Did you hear them? <laughs> the Bible teaches the existence of an immaterial spiritual reality unseen by the human eye. Let's start with the premise your eyes can only see, everybody's eyes who are open can see only a certain spectrum of light. There are wavelengths of light that your human eye cannot perceive. Does that mean that it's fake? Okay, let's talk about COVID-19. Has anybody here verified the existence of COVID themselves by looking at COVID under a microscope with your own physical eye? Probably not but you believe it's real and you believe that germs are real because they are real and that's why we wash our hands at V1 Church. <laughs> you believe in germs, but you cannot see germs and you believe that someone else told you. So can we all agree as a premise that more exists even in this physical dimension than what you can see with your own eyes? Can we agree on that? Okay, so let's start there. Next, the Bible says that the spiritual realm consists of both good, which is God and the holy angels, and evil, the devil, and his demons. That's it. Now, there's another element. We'll get to that shortly. There are essentially three beings that we need to cover, and it is God and his created angels, then it is Satan and his minions, demons, and then out of the vast cosmos, the only thing ever created in the image and likeness of God is you. 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 Look to your neighbor and say, that's you, boo. So let's start with a basic theological understanding of what demons are. Because it's funny that Hollywood believes in demons. You know that, right? Um, it's funny because it's like, if you looked at the lives of most Christians, they'd say WWJD, except for the fact that if you're going to do what Jesus would do, he casts a lot of demons out. So it's like nowadays, WWJD means love your neighbor. Well, one of the ways you can love your neighbor is a deliverance session where you cast demons out of your neighbor. WWJD, it just means like be a social justice warrior, woke Jesus. And it's just like, yeah, but do you know Jesus didn't just distribute food? He miraculously multiplied it. So it's like we're always trying to delete the spiritual realm out of the way in which we encounter even God. And let me just give you a definition for religion before we go a step further, because most of you have received more religion than you have ever received of actual scripture. Here's your definition for religion. Peer pressure from dead people. The definition of religion is peer pressure from dead people. We did it this way one time, 
decided we were going to do it like that next week and kept doing it like that for years and years and we died and now you got to do it like that too. I don't, I, I'm, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not good at peer pressure. I'm kind of a rebel. And actually, I don't take my information from dead people. I serve a living king named Jesus Christ who's still alive, active, and telling me exactly what he wants to do. So if your friends are like, man, V1 Church, that's not like how we do church. Yeah, you, your church is still living under the peer pressure of a whole bunch of dead people, but our church is alive. So let's start there because I've got to deprogram you from religion. Because you're going to miss out on the fullness of what I want to teach you today. Let's look at three scripture texts that are going to reveal to you the origin of demons. Probably you've never heard this in church before. And you're like, come on, let's go with it, Pastor Mike. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 14 through 17. Let me draw your attention. I want you to read the text with me. You were an anointed guardian cherub. Everybody say were. That's past tense, right? It's just like, hey, didn't you used to date that guy? Yeah, we were a thing, <laughs> right? So let's read slow. We were, you were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. Are mountains high or low? High. So you were anointed, and you were on the mountain of God. So you were up high. You with me? And then it says this, in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were, everybody say were. You were blameless in your way. So you were innocent from the day you were created. So we have this spiritual being being described who was created by God. Okay, you ready? Until unrighteousness was found in you. So what can we conclude from what we just read? This created being had a will the ability to decide wrong or right. Are you following me? Then it says this, in the abundance of your trade, you are filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now watch, verse 17. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. So you have this being being described, it is literally Lucifer, this created being in all of his splendor, in the wisdom that God gave him as a high-ranking cherub, this, this angel, this created being, and then you have this description of pride. And how many of you know that pride comes before? Now, let me explain. There are two worlds that we're discussing today, only two. And when you talk about the spiritual realm, what you're in fact talking about is this other realm that may not be visible by your physical eyes, but is just as real as what you're encountering now. And there are laws and principles that govern both of these worlds. Are you following me? Now, if I were to drop this from my hand, what happens? Okay, because it's a gravity. Somebody in the front row is like, please. The Sunday he does an actual illustration. But here's the thing, when you drop, if, and this planet, what goes up must come. So here's the thing, this is the way both of these worlds coexist with the principle of pride comes before, 
okay? So what happens is when you lift yourself up, you know that the only outcome of elevating and lifting up yourself is a fall. And some of you are jealous from a stage of life that someone's in where they've lifted themselves up but don't realize that the gravity of the principles of the ways of God is already bringing them down. And it says you were brought down. Can I give you another scripture? Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15. Now, why do I give you another scripture? Because the way in which you interpret the Bible is not in isolation. You actually read other scriptures that help you discover the context of the one you're trying to interpret. And anytime scripture is interpreted in isolation, it produces cults. That's a side note, and that's free. Scripture interpreted in isolation produces cults. So you must reference the other scriptures to understand the context of that which you're trying to understand. Okay, so just in case you didn't believe me, there's Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15. How you are fallen from heaven. So falling is you're here and then you're there. One of my favorite pastimes is watching people physically fall. It's hilarious. <laughs> and it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low, you said in your heart, mi corazón. So now we have another aspect to Lucifer that we can unlock. We know that Lucifer has a will, but now we know that Lucifer has a capacity for emotion, a heart. Now, isn't it funny that about 120 years ago, all of human civilization stopped being logical? You ever notice that? We stopped making decisions logically. How do we primarily make decisions in our societies? Emotionally. So isn't it... Isn't it strange to you that this would be the primary way in which Satan would actually try to deceive you is through your emotions? Oh, I just feel like this. Do you know that the mantra of most major movie productions nowadays is follow your heart? Woo! Isn't it funny that Jesus said follow me, but then many of us have entire libraries full of movies that say follow your heart? Can you imagine Jesus watching that movie and being like, what about me? The Bible actually says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. That's the last thing you should follow is your heart. And so all of a sudden he says, You're, you said in your heart. So in other words, there's a talking, there's a dialogue that can happen in your heart, in your emotions, and there's deception there. And you gotta be aware of that. Can I continue? I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Did you experience that? I will statements will are the fastest way to take you out of God's will. Put that on Instagram, somebody. There's a, there, tweet that. I will statements are the fastest way to take you out of God's will. I will statements, I will. Let me just say this. Satan began to, in his heart, declare, I will, I will, I will. Did you know that the self-help guru movement is almost entirely predicated on writing out affirmations and saying what you will do with your life? And how many of you know that the best lie always sounds so close to the truth? Yeah. 
You, you know, listen, I would love if Satan just showed up to your doorstep with a pitchfork and horns and was like, hey, homie, you want to go sin? You'd be like, oh, come on, Satan, you think I'm stupid? You got me like that last week, but not this week, man. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be easy? But how many of you know you need the Holy Spirit so that you can discern spirits? Get out of here. You need the Holy Spirit to discern a spirit. Because people will say, well, do these affirmations, and then you can be successful, and then that success can help this and this and this and this. And it's like they just, but guess what? If your affirmation is not, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and whatever he says to do with my life, I'll do with my life, then it's going to manifest a demonic destiny instead of the one that he has for you. Because Satan said, I will. And so self-help gurus build entire empires sounding like Satan, not like scripture. I told you, this is essential. I will. And then I love verse 15, because the more he began to declare, I will, and didn't bring God into the planning. See, that, that's, see, okay, religion is peer pressure from dead people. Relationship occurs when you are intimately in communication with living people. So God says, I want to have a relationship. I want to communicate and see what happens because many of you are being convicted right now in this moment. You make a lot of plans and a lot of strategies and you, you say a lot of I wills but never ask God what his will is for you. Stop strategizing and start surrendering. God will do more with surrender than you'll ever do with your own strategy. Matter of fact, the Bible is littered with stories about how the greatest military mind strategized and failed, but then poor shepherd boys with one moment from God came out there with a sling. I'm telling you, just one idea from God is worth more than a million whiteboard sessions with your own stubbornness. Uh. I'm so sick and tired of it. Where'd you get that idea, Pastor Mike? We've never seen a church like this on Long Island. You think I'm that smart? I've got, we just had hundreds of people at V1 Indiana, and I was baptizing them like crazy. My arm still hurts from it. And people are like, whoa, you just went multi-site national in the middle of a pandemic. How'd you do that? I stopped strategizing, and I started surrendering. Verse, let me give you this last verse. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Now, let me give you one more verse to substantiate what the demonic is, okay? Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. So now I'm giving you the story chronologically from the beginning. Now I'm going to show you the end, okay? So I'm showing you the entire chronological story of the demonic, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. What a futile effort. Man, come on now. And he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And watch this, verse 9. I love it. He just never learns. That's how stubborn Satan is. He never learns. He was cast down multiple times. And now I'm giving you the end of the story. And he gets, watch, look at the scripture and he was thrown down. This is how it ends. See, if you're not teachable, you're like Satan. If you don't learn from your fall, you're like him. Because Satan, oh, come on, I'm preaching so good today. 
Literally, God threw him down. He never learned. It's, he never learned. And see, he gets thrown down again. And he hates the reading of these scriptures because even hearing it reminds him of his future. Matter of fact, the old-time Pentecostals used to say, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Come on, somebody. The Bible also teaches that humans were created in God's image, which means that we have a spiritual component. You are immortal. Every single one of you are immortal. The only part of you that will die is your, is your flesh. Whether you accept Christ or not, you are immortal. This is, I'm trying to use language to help you understand the theology, but you all are going to live forever. You get to choose heaven or hell. You get to choose, watch this, righteously judging with God or being an unrighteous person who's judged by God. You get to choose. You're all immortal. Everyone here is immortal. The only part of you that will die is your body. That's it. The rest of you will live forever, and you have to choose what you will do with your immortality. Why would you invest so much here? Why would you be so emotionally invested in this that it gives you anxiety, but you're an eternal being? <laughs> you're immortal, and you're crushed by the weight of depression for something that you went through two weeks ago. Doesn't it change your perspective to step out of one dimension and into the spiritual realm? Nobody in your life will understand the sacred ways of Christ until they start to understand the spiritual realm. Everything that we do is gonna appear to be foolishness to those who are blinded by the eyes of this world. And it actually doesn't even matter how much scripture they know because there's Pharisees that knew the scripture and then fishermen who are theological flunkies acknowledge Jesus first. Because there's something about being humiliated that makes you humble. <laughs> See, God can, he, oh, come on. Are you, are you with me? You know the reason why prostitutes acknowledge Jesus as Savior before Pharisees? Because the prostitutes said, yeah, I'm humble. I, I know that I'm nothing. I I'm a failure. I I and, and, and it actually gave them access for a clear visibility because pride says, well, how could he be the Messiah? I'm the Savior. Wow. Yeah. I'm the Savior. Oh, I will not go on. There's a lot of pastors, I will say it, look me in my eyes, pastors watching right now. There's a lot of pastors that aren't having Holy Spirit encounters in their church because they are not giving the Messiah his way because they've made themselves the Messiah in their own mind. What I love about Moses is he had a face-to-face -face relationship with God. And you know what God told him? I want Israel to be an entire nation of priests. I want every single person to be a priest. And that was not fulfilled until Acts chapter two. But in Acts chapter two, it said that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they all began to proclaim. And it was a fulfillment of what was spoken to Moses long ago. Guess what? Whose job is it to cast out demons at this church? Is it me and the prayer team? No, it's all. Who's, uh, whose job is it to lay their hands on the sick and they recover? Mine? We are a nation of priests now. And then you have the new covenant. You come into a relationship with Jesus, and it says what? You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You see the fulfillment of it. But see, there's this conspiracy. I love how people love conspiracies. Want me to give you the greatest conspiracy ever? 
Do I have your attention? The greatest conspiracy ever is that your life is meaningless, that you have no power through Christ, that the only way you can interface with God is through another human being, and that you have to accept whatever's given to you. That's the greatest conspiracy ever. That's the greatest conspiracy. And if your life gets better or worse, it's how much of your own strength or your own power you use to do it. That's the conspiracy of all conspiracies. You know when Satan started that narrative in the garden? He came up to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, mind you, he was up high. Now he comes in the form of a serpent down low because he's been thrown down. And he says, hey, you don't need God to know good and evil. You see what's happening to our world today? Us all trying to collectively determine what's good and evil on our own. How's that working out? And that's what we're dealing with right now. And see, I wanted to tell you that there's Satan and his minions, there's you in creation, and then there's a little bit more. Can I keep going? There's this relationship between above and below. Satan and his angels are repeatedly described as being brought down. So to understand the spiritual realm, you have to understand hierarchy, above and below. You have to understand position. Height represents authority. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Have you heard that scripture? What that's actually saying is it's denoting authority. Like those believers might look lowly to you, but they're in a high place. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, and all, matter of fact, the greatest understanding that we have about the existence of the spiritual realm does not come from science. It actually comes from Jesus Christ himself. Can I tell you what Jesus said about the spiritual realm? It's gonna blow your mind. Are you ready? John chapter eight, verse 23. And he said to them, watch, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. So you, you're from below, but I am from above. As a matter of fact, see, there's a conspiracy to stop you from accessing the fullness of the authority that you have through Christ as a believer because there's warfare over the territory above. Somebody say above. Think about this. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in Come on, is somebody getting a revelation? Why are they in high places? Because they're going to a place of authority and they're saying, I am actually going to occupy the space that belongs to the sons and daughters of God because if I can put lust, pornography, come on, does somebody hear me? Addiction, if I can put poverty in the atmospheres above that place, above, I can take dominion over them and I can continue to deceive them. Have you ever noticed when you travel throughout the United States that there's there's a different demon that's designated for a different region. You go into Northwest Indiana on 8094 and you will see billboards for strip clubs all the way down because there is a ruling spirit high and above occupying that territory. You come onto Long Island. What's Long Island known for? The Long Island medium. Why? Because there's a prophetic destiny for God to use prophets in this region like we've never seen in the earth, but you have to pervert it, right? So the way that you pervert it is you put the psychic medium, occult, witchcraft stuff high in the atmosphere to rule over this region. And that's why it says, take every thought captive that erects itself up against the word of God and then pull 
down a stronghold. Pull it down. Somebody say, pull it down. See, I need you to get a revelation of this because they are in your seat. There's a demon in your seat. And it doesn't have permission to be there. It's there because you let it sit there. There's a demon in your seat. Because you took the bait of Satan for offense. You took the bait of Satan for your sexuality. You took the bait of Satan for fear. And they're watching you feast on flesh as an eternal being. And they're saying, yeah, they're not even a threat. But we're about to be battle ready. Because we're going to say, no, no, I'm going up to the high places. You remember that song? Going to tear the devil's kingdom down. That's what we have to understand. Let me just give it to you like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 through 3. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And the world is to be judged by you. <gasps> no, Pastor Mike. This church doesn't judge. Oh, yes, we do. How many of you have heard the lie, oh, good Christians don't judge? Do you know that that's demonic doctrine? We do judge. And we need righteous judges to stand up and say, I know what the word of God says, and I'm not judging the person, but the sin that's in their life. I am righteously saying, if you want to choose to live your life like that, you are violating the terms and the conditions for that which God has created, and you are going to miss out on the fullness of intimacy with your wife because you're doing sexuality like that. And so I'm a righteous judge saying there's a better way. I mean, isn't that the sense of justice you feel when someone says, oh man, did you hear that so-and-so got all this stuff stolen from them? Oh, that's so wrong. They're such a good person. Why did that happen to them? Have you ever heard that? It's because there's a compass inside of you that says, I am here for dominion to righteously judge and reign with Christ on this earth. So we do judge. And matter of fact, I'm gonna read you the scriptures because I think Christianity has gotten so far away from the Bible. Let me just explain this to you. And do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? In other words, if you're gonna righteously judge the earth, why are you so worried about these trivial things in your world? Let me give you the next verse. Do you not know, and many of you don't know, that's why I'm teaching this. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? You, as a righteous believer, will actually judge angels. Is that blowing your mind? You will judge. Now, the, the word judge is Greek for krino, and it actually means to govern, to govern or to give assignment to. So you literally will have angels working on your behalf. Like, hey, where were you, bro? You're late again? But the thing is, we've gotten so far outside of the spiritual mind and the spiritual dimension that we don't even know who we are. It says, we will judge angels. Now, let me give you some understanding about angels. How many of you know the scripture, Psalm 91? It says, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up. In other words, angels are spiritual beings that have the ability to actually carry physical weight in this dimension. 
Isn't that amazing? They, have you ever heard a story of somebody miraculously being saved in a car crash and they say, I think an angel actually assisted me? Angels can physically interact with our world. I'm gonna give you another one. Matthew chapter 28, verse two, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended. Look at this word. Descended means to what? To go down. Are you guys getting it? So to come into our dimension, they have to descend. So it comes down from heaven and came and watch this, rolled back the stone. This is a stone so heavy, it would have took multiple people to roll it into position. And when God gave that assignment to the angel, I bet he was like, oh, snaps. I get to be the one who rolls the stone back? Woo, let's go. That's how I picture it. And he went down there. And this is how I know that this angel was like a gospel gangster. He physically rolls the stone back, which means that the angel has the ability to move physical objects in our world. And then watch what he does. He sits on it. Isn't that amazing? The angel sits on it, and he was like, I got a front row ticket to see the resurrected Jesus come right out of this tomb. I'm about to sit on this stone and said, this is the stone that you thought was gonna hold him down, but you don't know him like I know him because I'm not from this world. I'm from another world, and in my world, there's nothing impossible. In my world, all things are possible. You can't hold the resurrection. Jesus down come on okay sit down sit down sit down if you didn't stand up you better next time you better learn how to act in church <laughs> can I show you another scripture guys are we eating good food are you fortified is this meat okay then you haven't even gotten to the main course let's go to the next verse as evening approached, the disciples came to Jesus. I always love Jesus' interactions with the disciples because they're so stupid. They're like ministry, the worst ministry interns ever. And he says this, there is a remote place and it's already, get, it's already getting late. Pastor Mike, it's Memorial Day weekend. Don't nobody wanna go to church and it's raining. Just play a sermon you preached a year ago. Nobody will notice. They, you ever give your boss an excuse and you think and you try to craft it like you're helping your boss, but you know you try to help yourself? Come on, man. We, you know. Look what they they try to convince Jesus. Let's just consider it done. Send the crowds away, Jesus, so that they can go to the villages by themselves and buy themselves some food. It's natural realm thinking. It's natural realm consumed. They, they need food, we, we can't do it, it's impossible. Natural realm thinking, now watch, this is so important. Jesus replied, now this conversation in Matthew chapter 14 is a masterclass in the culture of this earth clashing with the culture of the kingdom of heaven. It's like two people trying to talk to each other. It's like someone, one person's talking Chinese and the other person's talking Spanish back to each other. This is what's happening, so watch this. They're giving him excuses. Hey, all these people, we're tired, send them away. We don't have enough food to feed them, whatever. Now watch what Jesus says. He replies in the language of heaven. So he doesn't reply with a natural thought. Look what he says. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Okay, let's go to the next verse. Now watch, here's the natural mind thinking. We have here only, somebody say only, 
Only is not a word used in heaven. This is a natural mind thinking. Only five loaves of bread. Oh, they're asking me to give in the offering. I only have 20 bucks. You don't understand the spiritual realm yet. Uh, oh, oh, like that word only is just limited thinking. That's a mindset. Only is a mindset. And he said, well, there's 5,000 people, Jesus. We only have this little bit. I, I don't understand. But you see the culture of the kingdom was clashing. He was trying to mentor them. Now look, bring them here to me. Now Jesus is the bridge between dimensions. Do you guys feel that? Jesus is the bridge between dimensions. And he's saying, as long as that bread stays in this dimension, you'll, it doesn't multiply. It just molds. Does it mold or multiply? There's another sermon. In this dimension, it only molds. But I'm the bridge between the supernatural and the natural. And if you'll bring it to me, I will stand in the gap between heaven and earth. And this bread will change. And then something will become possible that is not possible any other way. Do you hear me online right now? And all of a sudden, he takes it. Now, I missed this. I've been reading the Bible my entire life, and I missed it. But watch taking the five loaves and the two fish. So they give them to Jesus. It says, and looking up, 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 up. I never saw that before in scripture. Looking up to heaven, the other dimension. He looks up and he said, oh, I'm God in flesh. I came down here below, but I came to actually build this bridge. And he looks up. Now look what he does. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks you know why he said thanks? Because the bread and loaves had been transformed by the supernatural divine. He wasn't thinking, he wasn't, oh, thank God we're gonna eat good. He was saying, oh, it's been super, supernaturally reconfigured and now we can feed 5,000 plus people off it. Thanks, God. <laughs> and he hands it back to them. Now watch. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to all the people. And the number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the children. See, what happens, would you just stand to your feet with me today? See, the thing you need to understand about loaves of bread and fish is they mold, they don't multiply. And fish, you know how you multiply fish? You need a fish farm. And fish procreate, and then they lay their eggs and then all of a sudden the eggs hatch and then they swim around and they come into maturity. So to feed 5,000 people was, would have taken a long time. But see, we have this picture to understand that the laws of the kingdom of heaven are given permission to supersede the laws of planet earth. And so things that would take a long time here can happen in an instant. I wish you heard me. Can happen in an instant. He, come on, because what happens is we take it to God and God lifts it up. Jesus becomes the bridge between dimensions and says, there is no cure for cancer in your world, but in my world, I am the bridge and I take the impossible and I transmit it into the possible and then suddenly people begin to get healed and listen we're not diminishing counseling but there's times where something would take 14 sessions but just one touch from Jesus and suddenly the mind begins to be reconfigured and you know what's crazy you've got to step into the supernatural realm because hear me becoming a Christian changes your spirit 
but it does not change your mind. You have to renew your mind. Becoming a Christian will get you to heaven. But if you don't get your mind set on the things of God and renew your mind, does somebody hear me? You've got to renew your mind. You've got to do that work by finding these pathways of grace, reading the scriptures, listening to the word being taught, getting into a place of worship, and then your mind begins to be conformed to the patterns of another world. It's normal in heaven for whole families to be joined together in unity and worship before the king. That's normal. That's every day for eons and eons. The way we sing, the way we play, that's normal. And when you bring the kingdom, not just church, because for far too long, we've been selling it short and we've been planting churches instead of establishing kingdom. See, when you only plant churches, all you need is pastors. But when you manifest kingdom, you need business leaders. You need artists in the entertainment realm. You need people to rise up in every sphere of influence because this is the age of kingdom rising up. And the way that you know kingdom has arrived is demons start to manifest and say, oh no, you must be here to torment me before my time because demons can't stay in regions where kingdom is established. Demons have a good time hanging out where there's churches. More demons attend church than people. Think on that. Because they say, oh yeah, we love when they have church because they all fight each other over their preferences. But when kingdom is established, supernatural provision, finances begin to flow, buildings are built, and it should be to the point where in every single area, education, politics, entertainment, We say, oh yeah, there's V1 people scattered across every sphere of influence. We're taking over. (laughs) We're taking over. Because the church is not, "This this is Sunday. What you gonna do on Monday? Thy will be done. Thy will. Now, I'm not gonna sound like Satan, my will. I'm gonna sound like scripture, thy will. Thy will, God. Oh, you want me to pray for this person on my job right now? Say, I won't, devil. Say, I won't. I know that you're inside of them because I can't stand them, but I'm going to pray for them. I want to say one last thing. Go to Acts chapter 19. This is going to be super fast because miracles are about to break out from this room all through the broadcast. So I need you to understand one last thing. Are you with me still? So the last thing I need you to understand is that this whole thing flows from relationship. So let me tell you, the Bible doesn't say it's the democracy of heaven. It says it's the, okay, come on, say it louder. The kingdom of heaven. So the thing about kings and kingdoms is you're born into your position. Now listen, you were born into sin, but Jesus came that you might be born again into royalty. And when you know, see, this is the conspiracy to keep you blinded to who you really are. Because the way that kingdom works is the kingdom doesn't have a constitution and it has the word of the king. And anytime the king speaks, it becomes the law of the land. Isn't it funny that the scriptures say that in the beginning was the In the beginning was the word because it's a kingdom. And when God speaks, it becomes rule. But then guess what? The cross declares 
oh, the Holy Spirit is gonna come on the inside of you and you're gonna start saying, Daddy, Dad, whew, Dad, I thought I was orphaned. I thought I was abandoned. I thought that I was a, a pauper, a beggar. I thought that I was just washed up and done. I thought I was too old. I, I thought that I wasn't born into the right family. But now something inside of me is crying, Abba, Daddy, my dad's the king and I'm the heir to everything he has and the authority under heaven. So that way when you tell a demon, go in Jesus' name, it becomes the rule in that location, in that region because of who you are an ambassador of. Then some Jewish of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, <laughs> there were some guys making a living off of casting demons out of people. Itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And here's what they said. I adjure you by the power of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Now watch. They were watching too much Harry Potter because they said, wait a second, it's a magic wand. That's what they were doing. They were watching the first century church cast demons out, heal the sick, raise the dead, and they were like, well, we have know the scripture. Like, oh, this is like a magic wand. And they were like, in the, I adjure you, in the name of Jesus. You know, we have spiritual warlocks in the church today still, right? And people who want power because they haven't found identity. You get your identity first, and then you receive the power. See, it said, actually, you're saved, but wait in the upper room because the power will come second. And anytime you got people chasing power first instead of identity through Christ, you're going to get spiritual warlocks. See, it's like I found myself in Christ. I lost my life, gave it completely to him. He embraced me as a son. And then while I was still being embraced in his hug, he whispered, hey, you know that you have all the power in heaven now too, right? Now look what happened. These guys are using the name of Jesus without relationship. They don't belong to the family. They're orphans. They're not royalty. Spiritually, they have not been born again. So look, the seven sons of a Jewish high priest, there's even people that will mesmerize you with scriptures who do not know the Jesus that the scriptures testify of. That's why there are false teachers out there. I'm gonna be preaching about the false gospel tomorrow at noon. Sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva who were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them saying, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who is you? Knowing the demon had said that too. Why do I say that? It says, but then the man, let's do the last verse. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I'll tell you what, that's a very costly lesson in spiritual authority, isn't it? So here's what I want to tell you. Many people... Let's bring the music down a little bit because there's such an importance on what I'm about to say. Many people come to Jesus for what Jesus can do for them. Many people are in search of power to grow their business, power to set their family right from the poor choices that they made, power. But we ought not ever wave a magic wand because we're trying to invoke a name that is not our father. And what you feel surging through this place, when we're in worship, 
is not just us seeking God so that he can give us the American dream. It's us surrendering God so that we can fully fulfill his dream. That's where the provision is. The bread and the loaves multiplied because they were on mission, not because they were hungry. I, I, do you guys catch this revelation? Yeah. It didn't multiply because people were hungry. God's not moved by your need. But when you activate faith on mission, multiplication begins to happen all around you. If you want to see the power of God on display, do what he wills for your life. He's my first love. See how that song was a source of power? Because what we were saying is like, oh man, even Jesus said, don't love money. He didn't say money was the root of all evil. He said the, you guys know the word. So, so guess what? The more you love him, the more money he trusts you with. It's the secret. People all the time, Pastor Mike, you guys cast out demons. All these miracles take place. How does it happen? I'm so full of love for him that from that place, you know, the voice crying out in the wilderness was John the Baptist who said, I decrease so that you can up, 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 up. When, when Satan tried to ascend, he was brought down low by the gravity of both dimensions, the spiritual realm and the physical realm. When John the Baptist said, no, I choose to go low, 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 he gets lifted up, up, up. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, I don't want to do this. I watched a movie that said, follow your heart. My heart doesn't want to do this. But he got down on his knees and his prayers turned to blood from his brow. And he said, God, nevertheless, not my will. I'm not going to be like Satan. Not my will, but your will. And he became a lightning rod for power. And he picked up that cross and he walked it to Calvary and said, Dylan will never struggle again because one drop of my blood will be enough for his entire life. He literally got on Calvary and said, because I'm the bridge between both dimensions, you will offer your life up to me. And just like that bread, I will place you in that. And I'll say, thank you, God, for Jocelyn. <laughs> And then Jocelyn will be multiplied in the earth and many people will eat of her life and the testimony she tells and they'll be satisfied. You see that you become the bread in that story. She says, thank you. I was so limited, never had enough energy, never had enough time, never had enough finances, but Jesus lifted me up and then he multiplied anything that I could ever hope to do with my life. We're not going to have the seven sons of Sceva running around in this church. We're going to have sons and daughters of the king saying, in Jesus' name, you better loose them and let them go. So here's what I want to do. We're going to pray. The Lord showed me something. You could bring down the house lights if you want a little bit, just to create some privacy in the crowd. The Lord showed me, because many of you have never heard this before. All you've encountered was peer pressure from dead people, and you've received religion. But I want you to know who you are and whose you are, because when you access that power, everything in your life changes. When you're religious, all your prayers sound like begging. 
When you're in a relationship, it sounds like asking, seeking, and knocking. It sounds like a prophecy. It sounds like a declaration. It sounds like a, come on, you, you start talking like your dad. The longer you're around him, you're like, he said, let there be. Now I'm gonna stand his authority and say, let there be a church on Long Island that raises the spiritually dead. You see, your prayers start to sound like prophecies when you start sounding like your father. So what I wanna do right now is we're getting ready to sing this song out, but before we do, if you have need in your physical body, because uh, the Lord told me you're about to, now you're gonna understand how a miracle is made. A miracle happens when something that's impossible in our world actually becomes possible because Jesus bridges the gap into our existence. So if you have a physical need in your body for healing, would you just lift your hand towards heaven? There's many needs represented. If some of you have a spiritual need or an emotional need, let's say it's something that you've been struggling with, a pain, a woundedness, broken expectations is what the Lord's been actually highlighting to me, that he is going to heal broken expectations. And actually the door of broken expectations brings destruction if you don't deal with it. Some of you have had expectations of I would be at this point at this stage in my life and your broken expectations have opened a portal to a ton of demonic activity. But God wants to heal your broken expectations because you're thinking too much from the wrong realm. You need to think, renew your mind and think in the right realm right now. Look at all these hands. Somebody who's like, that's me, Pastor Mike, broken expectations. Just let's get healing today. Some of you, while we're doing this song, a deep cry is gonna come out of you because you're gonna get deliverance from demons of rejection. And I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about their spiritual in nature. And as God heals the wound of rejection, some of you know that your parent has told you you were an accident. And I'm here telling you that you, there is no such thing as an accident because you are always destined to be born at the time you were born because you are royalty if you accept Christ. Does somebody hear me? And so I believe that rejection is gonna begin to come out and some of you are gonna experience that. You may hear people around you doing a deep cry. You may hear people around you weeping because the Lord's gonna minister to their body and begin to heal things even in their emotions during this moment. Is that okay? Is that okay, church? Remember how before I started preaching, I said we're gonna come back to that moment? We're here. I got you to your destination safely. Forget about the natural things because healing's about to take place. While we're singing this song, if you wanna come up front, our prayer team's gonna be here to minister. So if they can come up and get ready, we're gonna make some space if you wanna physically come up. Now right now, I'm gonna begin to pray over things for those who have their hands lifted like this or like this. And I'm gonna begin to pray for healing. If you're watching online right now, put your physical ailment or condition in the chat as an act of faith that you're believing for healing. And I specifically feel broken expectations. Come on, the Lord's already doing it here in the room. He's doing it online as well. He's doing it in your living room. Broken expectations are about to be healed. Rejection is going to come out because as the father of this house, I am releasing identity of sons and daughters. Come on, there's still some room if you wanna come. I'm releasing identity of sons and daughters, a nation of priests. 
Okay, let's just begin to pray. Come on, you guys can lift it up. Heavenly Father, right now, every physical condition in every body, I command sickness and diseases to be healed in the name of Jesus. Every cell of every fiber of every body under the sound of my voice, I release supernatural healing right now. Some of you may feel heat in your body. Begin to move your limbs in ways that you couldn't move them before. Even if you're watching online, if you're at a watch party right now, just begin to move and do things you couldn't do before. Right now, I just speak to every tormenting spirit over every single mind. Mind control, I bind you and I break your power over their mind now. Every tentacle, we sever it. And we thank you, Father, for freeing people in their mind. In the name of Jesus, if that's you, come on, just begin to touch your own, own head in this moment. God, we thank you for healing every bit of rejection, every lie that we've heard, we break it, we reverse it in the name of Jesus. Come on, Lord, setting people free, even in your seats right now. He's setting you free. Wow. Fear, doubt, anxiety, apprehension, worry. We cancel your assignment. Loose the children of God and let them go now. I release faith to supernaturally be activated. We step into the authority that was given us by Jesus Christ and we declare freedom, addiction, broken. Every principality, every power, every ruler in high places, we bring you down over our home, over our region, over our schools. In the name of Jesus, now every sickness bow, every disease bow, every ailment bow. Miracles be released, miracles be released, miracles be released, miracles be released, miracles be released. Some of you are experiencing it at your seat right now. Miracles, receive it, receive it. Now, 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 every spirit, come out in the name of Jesus. Come out, come out, come out, come out. Now, now, now.